by the way, I was talking to your assistant, Kelsey, yes. um, who's been fantastic to deal with, by the way. And oh, I, uh, I emailed her yesterday and I said, um, look, um, does Mike have any slides or are we just going to have a conversation? She's like, no, no, Mike doesn't do slides. It's just going to be a conversation. I was like, excellent. <laughs> He's written a book. He doesn't need slides. He's written a book. Here's my slides. Like, I will do stuff like this. Like, we'll draw pictures and stuff. Yes, That's I love it. G'day, folks. Welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation Podcast, where we help freelancers just like you find freedom through your very own small business. My name's Troy Dean. I'm your host and co-founder here at WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased this week to be having a conversation about something that we quite often don't talk about because it makes a lot of us uncomfortable, and that is money and specifically profit. If you do not know if your business is profitable, if you cannot unequivocally, categorically, and straight off the top of your head say, yes, my business is profitable, and here's how much profit we're making, then you should stop everything right now and tune in to this episode of the podcast because my feature guest this week is Mike Michalowicz, who is the author of the fabulous book, Profit First. Now, this is actually the audio recording of a webinar that we ran recently for our members, and we don't usually share content that we run for our members, but it was so good, I wanted to open this up to our podcast audience because I didn't want you to miss out on it. That's just the kind of generous people we are are here at WP Elevation. So tune in, get your pens and paper ready to make a bunch of notes, and without further ado, let's go and meet Mike Michalowicz. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Hey, this episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation. Well, more specifically, it's brought to you by a bunch of our happy customers. See, frankly, I feel a little bit awkward telling you how great WP Elevation is because you're probably not going to believe me because WP Elevation is my baby. It's something that we started over three years ago. Of course, now we're a team of of, of coaches and mentors and we have hundreds and by the time you're listening to this probably thousands of members all over the world but it still really is something that I'm very passionate about and, and of course if you join WP Elevation we make revenue and we make profit so it's a little bit awkward if I tell you how great it is because you probably think I'm just trying to sell you on it and partially I am because I know how beneficial the program is. So what I'd love to do instead is just introduce you to some of our customers. So if you go to wpelevation.com slash the podcast, all one word, you'll be able to hear some of those stories from our customers and hear for yourself how WP Elevation has impacted their business and changed their lives. I hope you enjoy that and I hope you check it out at some point. Right now, let's get back to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, elevators, wherever you are around the world. My name is Troy Dean. Welcome to this very special training velocity call for our WP Elevation members. Uh, now, before we, ah, there we go. My good friend, Mike Michalowicz is on the call. I'm glad you found the login details. Mike, I'm going to pull you in very shortly. Uh, so for those that don't know, this is uh, Mike Michalowicz from Profit First. For those who have been living under a rock and aren't familiar, who are you and where are you from and what are we doing here? So I'm Mike. Uh, I'm from uh, I'm from the Northeast uh, U.S. I'm in New Jersey, right outside New York City. In fact, if we could turn the cameras, which I guess we could, my window there, you can see it's the skyline of New York City, oh, far in the distance. I love Manhattan. I love New York City. Oh, it's beautiful. Shamefully or sadly, I should say, when the uh, the horrible 9/11 attacks happened, those terror attacks, you could actually see it from oh. here uh, as the buildings collapsed. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, 
Horrible. So, uh, so this is where I, uh, I am. And uh, if you don't know, I've written Profit First, which we'll talk about today, along with other books, which you can see I strategically positioned behind me, so I market myself constantly. <laughs> but my, uh, my quick story is I'm an entrepreneur too. I've owned uh, multiple businesses over many years, had the good fortune of exiting from companies, selling businesses. I've had the bad fortune, which in retrospect is the better fortune of losing all of my income to, due to arrogance and, and ignorance. And... Um, Kind of, not kind of, it did realign me to focus on what does make an entrepreneurial business successful. And so every book that I've written is with that endeavor to help myself honestly understand entrepreneurship better and hopefully support other entrepreneurs in doing the great stuff you guys do. Mm. So that's who I am. There's a great story for those that haven't read Profit First. There's a great story, and I don't want to pull the heartstrings too early on in our relationship, but there's a great story you tell uh, about an interaction with your daughter. That was yeah. a real turning point for you. Can you, t- can you tell us that story? Yeah. So um, try not to get emotional because uh, it's a tough story to share. So here's the deal. I, I sold uh, my first business to private equity. I was in the tech space, made some money. Uh, like I like to say, I didn't make F you money, but I did make F me money. Like <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, the second company, I did make the F you money. I sold my second business to a fortune 500. I was in computer crime investigation and would happen when that check proverbially because they wired it to me when it kind of slid across the table my arrogance exploded i i just thought i knew everything about entrepreneurship <clears throat> i've proven i could exit from businesses i thought it's god's gift to entrepreneurship and became a dick uh <laughs> and uh just thought i was better than other people if we're honestly if we're doing this interview I'm like oh, troy you you don't know how great i am like that's the kind of dick i was i wasn't verbally saying that but i felt it which i think is even worse yeah yeah i try to hide or cloak that arrogance and what i decided is like i'm going to keep this going i'm going to uh, start 10 businesses as an angel investor so i started putting money into these businesses and they all collapsed uh, they were in disparate spaces i i don't know anything about angel investing uh, I, I was a horrible angel investor i now call myself actually the angel of death because i was that <laughs> that bad at it. Um, and, but I additionally blew money on just trophies and stupid spending far outside of my realm of what I was capable of doing. But I thought, simply thought if I could just keep on exiting from company after company, I'd be a billionaire soon. And uh, the day came, it was February 14th, the story that you've alluded to as Valentine's Day. It was 2008. I remember it. Actually, I remember it so vividly. I know that my final breath on our planet as I die, that will be my final memory, was sitting down with my family to tell them I had lost everything. I devastated us financially. I was blowing money so fast out of a panic at, toward the end to hopefully turn this ship. And on February 14th, my accountant called me and said, Mike, you need to declare bankruptcy. We got to close down your businesses. It's done. Um, I didn't declare bankruptcy, by the way. My intention was to dig myself out of my own hole, but I did lose my, my possessions, my homes, my cars, my stuff. I lost everything. And I had to tell my family at dinner that night, because they didn't know what was going on, that we were losing this, that my daughter, who was nine years old at the time, was going to lose her horseback riding lessons. That literally cost like $10 mm-hmm. uh, a, a group session, but I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. And as I'm saying this, and, and you know, tears are coming down. I'm sobbing. My three children are looking up at me. And 
Troy, you've gotten into your business, I suspect, in part to be a financial provider for yourself, for your loved ones, yeah. right? Everyone watching, like, this is why we do this is mm. we are providers. And I was the a-hole who tore this away from them. Mm. And I'm looking at my daughter saying, you can't go to horseback riding lessons anymore. I'm so, so sorry. And she stood up and she ran out of the room. And when she ran the room, I just remember that feeling of her running away. Like I, I know she, she couldn't bear what I was saying. And I was ashamed. And I also respected the fact that the answer is to run away. When we're in the darkest parts of our lives, and I, I don't know for the, for the folks watching, if it was financial, if you faced it, drugs, uh, family challenges, like, but we've all faced these dark periods. Mm. Sometimes it's just emptiness, right? Mm. We face it. And uh, the answer is to run away, to go where no one knows us, uh, to start anew. You know, I, I would love to go into Australia and I would do anything as long as I'm not in the same social circle. I, I don't care what job it is. I work on a farm. I, I don't care. The thing was, Troy, she wasn't running away. She ran to her bedroom uh, and came running back as fast as her little legs would carry her with her little piggy bank. She had been saving money to one day buy a horse. That was her dream. And she was in the moment, looked up at me and said, Daddy, I'll provide for our family. <laughs> Which is nine-year-old girl giving up her piggy bank, giving up her, her dream uh, to save this schmuck. <laughs> um, it, was, it was absolutely devastating to see that, to experience that. I'll never forget it. And um, that became a turning moment for me. Now, here's the one final, final thing to that story. It's not like the next morning I woke up and said, oh, I know the answer to entrepreneurship. Oh, I'm going to be an author. Oh, I'm going to fix this. Mm. Next morning I woke up and I started hitting the bottle. I, I went through uh, two years of depression. Wow. Drinking, insomnia, struggling, trying wow. to get my business, a business afoot going. But it also became the seedling for fixing this and mm. becoming an author. Um, that's my turning moment. And today my life's purpose is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Why I'm writing books, why I'm so grateful to be on your show, why I do what I do now is so many entrepreneurs are living this kind of polar lives, uh, these, these bipolar lives. Like part of us is seen as wildly successful. The day you start your business, your friends are like, you're a millionaire. You know, they think you, you, you give all the freedom you want. You can work any hours you want because you're an entrepreneur. The reality is we're not millionaires. We're making less money than their friends. We're struggling to make a scratch. And the hours, that's all we do is work. We don't have time for family. Yeah. So that's my mission to fix that. I, I believe entrepreneurs deserve uh, profit. I believe we deserve the freedom to do things because we're the great impactors. We can serve our communities or we can serve our employees. We need to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story and, and being so open and vulnerable with us. Um, and then there was a turning moment where you, where late one night, you, the, the penny dropped for you while you were watching an infomercial. Right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that this weird? Is, this is a great, I, because this makes perfect sense for me. And it is one of those aha moments that you couldn't have scripted. I couldn't describe it. I, so here's the deal. So, uh, and Leslie, thanks for your kind words. I, I, I appreciate you connecting with the story. She said, she said she's tearing up and uh, mm. I appreciate that. It means it's landing with you. And I suspect it also means your story is in there too, not around maybe finances, but some regard. So I was, uh, here's what happens with, at least with me, I have what's called functional depression. By the way, this is self-diagnosed. This is not professionally diagnosed, but functional depression is a level of where you can still perform, still kind of function, but you remove yourself from any social aspects. Uh, 
there's constant sense of stress and com this compressing in your chest. It's horrible. Um, but we had lost now our home. We moved into a rental. We lost television. I couldn't afford television. So we got um, the cheapest television, which here in New Jersey, you can still get antenna-based television. There's three channels that broadcast. The only thing is once around midnight kicks in, uh, they play infomercials. And I had become an insomniac. I couldn't sleep at all. I was constantly stressed and worried. And one particular night, uh, I'm watching TV and on comes this fitness instructor after I flipped the channels. Uh, it was a public broadcast channel. So it was, at least it wasn't an infomercial. So I sat and watched it. And she started sharing principles about fitness. And as I'm hearing it, the lights start firing in my mind. I, th what she taught about physical fitness translated to fiscal fitness. So I took all these copious notes. The core lesson was this. The core lesson was in traditional physical fitness, diets and all that stuff, we are given a new regimen that usually requires us to make extraordinary change. You know, mm -hmm. do P90X, work out you know, six hours a day and you'll be ripped. Yeah, okay. But it requires such a behavioral shift in who we are, the vast majority of us fail. Just like those new, resolu new year's resolutions, I'm gonna mm -hmm. start working out. A month later, basically no one is. She said, the better way is to observe our existing behavioral patterns and then build a system that captures our existing behavior and channels the outcome we have. And so that's what ultimately became Profit First. Taking the existing, existing behaviors that we entrepreneurs have and setting up a system where we don't need to change, but it channels us to the results we want. Awesome. So, and this was, this was the part, this was the moment in the book where I was completely hooked because mm. for me, it then became, it didn't become this massive behavioral change. It actually became the path of least resistance. Yes. Yes. Right? I remember when I, when I was in my 20s, uh, I started smoking cigarettes when I was like 21, right? I figured by then it wasn't going to stunt my growth because I was fully grown. So I took up cigarettes at the age of 21. <laughs> and I, I stopped, that, fortunately, I stopped at the age of 33. Um, but for 12 years, I did a really good job. I was a really good full-time smoker. Yeah. But I eventually quit smoking by reading a book um, called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking mm. uh, by a guy whose name escapes me right now. Um, but the first thing he says in the book is, um, while you're reading this book, I want you to continue smoking. I want you to continue enjoying smoking your cigarettes the whole time you're reading this book. So he basically let you off the hook on page mm. one, right? Mm. And I was like, well, this is easy. I'm just going to keep smoking my cigarettes and read the book. Yeah. And by the, of course, by the time I finished the book, I smoked my last cigarette and put it out and I haven't touched one since, which was fantastic. Uh, and it worked. But your, this story in Profit First had a similar impact on me. It was like, You've, I felt like I was let off the hook. I felt like I didn't have to make this huge behavioral change or the huge mindset shift. All I had to yeah. do was make a small tweak to something that I was already doing. That's the key. There's a, uh, so it, it is rooted in behavioral psychology, a little side passion of mine. Mm. But what, one of the things they teach in behavioral psychology is, is what you just shared, Troy, is these consecutive small wins brings a much greater outcome. There was a study, there's a book called Switch. It's written by Dan Heath and Chip Heath. They're a pair of brothers that they've written Made to Stick, uh, Decisive, these amazing entrepreneurial books. Switch, they talk about the mindset of an entrepreneur. And specifically, they, they uh, shared an, uh, a test they ran about a concept of lowering the, the, the bar. 
Because most of us are told, like you were saying, major mind shift, raise the bar. What kind of level do you want to perform at? Mm. And they said, what if the concept's lowering the bar? So the, the experiment went like this. They took 200 people that were looking to get cardiovascularly fit to achieve some kind of physical fitness regimen. It's almost uncanny how much physical fitness translates to fiscal fitness. And they split these group into two people. One was called the control, the raise the bar group, what we've all been told. One was the test, their new concept of lower the bar. The raise the bar people, they said, hey, run, you know, run five kilometers three days a week. Uh, for anyone in the U.S., that's about three miles three days a week, right? Run five kilometers three days a week. That will achieve cardiovascular fitness. And uh, start right away and go push yourself, right? The other group, they said, hey, um, how many people here are looking to get cardiovascular fit? And everyone's like, oh, we all are. We want this so badly. They said, do you watch television? And the group's like, yeah. And they said, when you watch television, um, would you be willing to stand as opposed to sit at the couch? And the group's like, yeah. And they said, well, that's your physical regimen. And <laughs> you know, talk about lower the bar. I mean, it was a no-brainer. Come back two weeks later after this experiment, and you won't be surprised the control group, the, the one that they said the standard regimen, it was like a 90% failure rate. I mean, if you, anyone watching right now, if you haven't been running five kilometers three days a week, start trying that right now. Try to sustain that for two weeks. One guy, one guy had a heart attack. Like, you know, <laughs> right? It was ridiculous. The vast majority failed. On the other side, of course, there was a 100% success rate. Uh, you know, you just stand when you watch television. Then the next two weeks, they said, now you're standing in front of television. Would you be willing to march in place? Again, a very low bar. You're already standing. No brainer. Two weeks later, a great success rate. It was like upwards of 93 or 94% of people remembered to march in place. Hmm. They kept on upping it. Marching in place came to jumping jacks. Jumping jacks became running around outside during commercial breaks. It took them six months. But for six months, they had the majority of people, it was like 57% or so, running five kilometers, hmm. three days a week. Hmm. So it just plays into what you're saying. And that's what we do in Profit First. Hmm. When it comes to profitability, the vast majority of entrepreneurs uh, are not profitable. There was a study I read a while back about 83% of small businesses, this is globally, are not profitable. Hmm. And a small business is defined by a company that does $25 million US in annual revenue or less. I suspect that's almost everyone watching. It's absolutely hmm. my business. Hmm. And 83% of us, if we don't get substantial sales in this month, we can't pay rent, payroll, let alone ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, to instantly you know, drive profit and thrash expenses and do all these things instantly overnight fix this, it's going to be too abrupt of a change. That's, mm -hmm. that's running the five kilometers three days a week. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're going to take incremental but consistent and persistent steps to get to the levels of profit you want. And we're going to ensure profitability from the get-go. Not massive profitability, but ensure it so that you see those wins, you see profit accumulating, start building that muscle, and over time, you'll get to your goals on profitability. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, Alan Carr. So, Jami uh, reminded me, the author of that book is Alan Carr. So, thank you very much uh, for reminding me of that, Jami. Uh, a couple of people watching on Facebook, Jeffrey Patch, Tiffany Amos, Peter Butler, Sarah G. Watson, and Kathy Smith all say hello. This is a members webinar, so I do want to go deep. Um, we'll be going a little bit deeper than we ordinarily would on a podcast because these are our members and they're our inner circle and they are huge fans of your work. So let's start to unpack this a little bit and, and yeah. let me just kind of set the frame here. Most of the people in our organization are either solopreneurs yeah. or maybe have a small team of yeah. you know, maybe three or four staff helping them out, contractors, subcontractors helping them out. How do we start to implement 
first of all, what is the profit first methodology and how do we start to implement it as a solopreneur slash freelancer, if you like? A lot of these people have started out as creative freelancers. They now find themselves yeah. in business really by accident. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, and they've had this big mindset shift around, around profit first. What are some of the, pra- you know, so, so what is the methodology and what are some of the practical things we can start doing this week to start moving the needle? Yeah. So I want to say a big shout out to all of you first. You are my peeps. I love micro enterprise. I love the solopreneur. Mm. There's massive opportunity for you to Mm. impact our world, to change the world by defining new new offerings, to, to redefine categories that large and even small, large companies can't do anymore. They're stuck mm. in the routine. So kudos to you. Yeah. Uh, in regards 100%. to the process. Yeah. So in regards to the process, um, first of all, we got to get out of the adage that profit is the bottom line. And in fact, that's the exact words we use. That's the year end or bottom line. And I'll tell you, that's the biggest misnomer and the biggest roadblock to profitability is using those exact words and having that belief that it comes last. Mm. We actually have a formula uh, I can do it on my little whiteboard here. Go on. Uh, we, we, here we go. So we are told that sales minus expenses equals profit. Yeah. I, right? learned, that, I learned that in high school when I studied accounting. It's like, right. it is, it's 101. It's taught everywhere. The problem is, here's the formula. It's if you, if you can see it on the screen, yeah. the problem is we are told that profit comes last, which means it's the final consideration. We look at it sometimes at the end of the year, sometimes maybe during the year, but inevitably once a year when you talk with your accountant, you're like, was there any money this year? The accountant says, sorry, not profitable. And then we say, well, maybe next year. We literally kick the can of profit down the road for another 365 days. Think, think about this. Troy, you, you smoked, stop smoking. If you come out, if the doctor says, you got to stop smoking or you're going to have a heart attack, do you come out of the, the doctor's office and say, you know what? Starting today, I'm going to put my health last. No, <laughs> no, never. We say starting today, my health is priority. I'm going to put my health first. Yet we're told profit comes last. When we're told something comes last, it means it can wait. It's the manana syndrome. Mm. When our health comes last, we can smoke yet another day. Mm. When we say our health comes first and commit to it, now things have to change. So all we're doing, which is a simple swap of variables, but the impact is massive, is we swap the profit and expense uh, variables. So it looks like this. Sales stays, sales are still priority. That's the oxygen for a business. But now profit gets swapped to the top and Mm. expenses are below. And what I'm saying here in practicality is every time there's a sale for our business, we immediately take a predetermined percentage of profit first, profit's a priority, and what's left over runs uh, is for our expenses. Mm. What I'm saying here is with the profit first system is we are going to reverse engineer our profitability. You tell me, you determine how profitable you want to be. I want to have a 10% bottom line. Fantastic. 10% profit is coming first now and the remaining money is going to be used to run the remainder of our business. And that subtle change, while it's very simple to comprehend, has a a, a, a magnificent impact on our business because now we look at the most critical part first, which is Mm. profit. A couple of things I want to unpack here. Um, First of all, kind of little sidebar, this is a given we all spend too much money on stuff we don't actually need to run the business or improve the business. There yeah. is there is low-hanging fruit and a lot of it in our expense categories right now. We just went yes. through a period in this business here where we basically culled all non-critical software subscriptions in the business. We're, we're going to be saving you know tens of thousands of dollars a year just by wow. doing that. Wow. We, don't, we don't need this anymore. Get rid of it. We don't. It's a nice to have 
but yeah. we don't have enough people in the seats to actually yeah. focus on using this software for maximum impact. So let's get rid of it. And then as the team grows and we have a full-time SEO person, let's go and resubscribe to all that SEO software that the SEO person can use. But there's no point having the software if you don't have someone in the seat that can benefit right. from using the software because the software alone won't do anything. So there is low hanging fruit in your expense line items right now that you could, that you could cut to save money. But the other thing, I, so I just wanted to sort of park that. The other thing that I really want to unpack is how do we determine profit versus because when you're a micro business owner the profit is generally your what you're paying yourself at the end of the year or you, you might take it as drawings throughout the year and hopefully you draw the profit throughout the year so at the end of the year your accountant says yep there was you know seventy thousand dollars profit in the business great that's what i've actually paid myself as a salary this year so we, we're square but i know that when you're first starting out it's hard to allocate a pay for yourself and keep the the business profitable. So are we suggesting that we have to factor in paying ourselves as well as determining a fixed amount for profit? We do. So profit and our pay as an owner are different uh, and distinct. Profit is a, just to clearly define these, profit is a reward for the shareholder, the individual or individuals who took the extraordinary risk of starting a business and have invested in it meaning you're liable for its failure. If your business fails to achieve the outcome, fails to serve clients, and it has debt, guess who's responsible for that? Mm -hmm. The owners of the business. Yeah. So you've taken on extraordinary risk. Just like I own some public stock that's traded in the stock market, every quarter these public companies send out their profit distribution. They're rewarding the shareholders, people who've invested money mm. in the business. Now, as a small business owner, you probably invested something even greater. Maybe you invested some of your out-of-pocket money in the mm -hmm. business, but you've also sweated in, which means you've contributed tremendous amounts of work for no pay. Mm -hmm. So you've gained equity. You basically said, here's my slave staff, which is me, that I'm going to give to the company. Mm -hmm. So by taking that risk, you get profit distributions, a reward for being a risk taker. The pay of a business is a totally different form of compensation. This is pay for being the best employee of the business. It's also called the owner operator. Mm -hmm. So the work you do within your business, even if you're a solopreneur, is different than the profit. The work you do in your business, we have to pay you a reasonable salary for what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I had to hire someone else to do the work, what would we pay them? Well, you know, I pay them $50,000 or whatever the number is. Okay, that should be your salary. The profit then is for being the person that had the pure courage to start the business. Profit gets just yeah. Profit gets Thanks. distributed on a typically a quarterly basis. Nothing short of annual is the the worst case. I suggest quarterly. Mm -hmm. Owner's pay gets paid out with your payroll, so maybe weekly or biweekly. Here's the final caveat: the owner's pay from your business, your salary, that's your lifestyle account. Your lifestyle needs to cap out on that salary, mm -hmm. so live off that. The profit that comes out is an above and beyond distribution to celebrate to the equity owners. That is not for your lifestyle. Don't like sit there saying like, I need profit to survive. No, profit is a reward to you to do what you want with it. Maybe you celebrate with an amazing dinner or amazing vacation, or maybe you use it for your future savings, but it's not to support your ongoing lifestyle. 100%. And it was a bit of a leading question. I just wanted to tee you up to explain that because it's something that it, 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 we've been having this conversation a lot with our members and it, it takes a while to get your head around it, especially when you're starting out because most people are either not paying themselves at all or paying themselves and not having any profit because they're basically whatever money they make is they're just using to fund their lifestyle. So, um, so I just wanted to, to help to get you to clarify that. Um, yep. 
so <clears throat> let, let's look at pr practicality. Uh, I do want to get through some of the practical stuff here and then take some questions from our audience. So yeah. practically speaking, what does this look like? I get to the end of July here at the end of the month and I do my bank reconciliation and I've got some clients that have paid some invoices. Uh, what do I do with the money that's in the bank? Yeah. So how it works, maybe I'll draw this out too, is we do this at your bank. Now, this is not a spreadsheet. You don't do it in your accounting system. It, it, it's basically an umbrella that sits on top of your accounting system. Mm -hmm. But the reason we do it at your bank is that most people do what's called bank balance accounting. Uh, what I'll do, and I did today, at the start of the day or sometime during the day, I'll log in. This is my phone here. Mm -hmm. Log in on my phone and see what my balance is. And based upon how much money I see, I will take action. I don't read my income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement, tie those in together. I'm an entrepreneur after all. I just look at how much money I have and I trust my gut. Knowing that's the typical behavior, and I suspect many people watching here look at their bank balance once a week, once a day. Knowing that's the typical behavior, we need to set the system up there. Mm -hmm. Set up what I call the five foundational accounts. One's called income. Another one's called profit. The one after that's called owner's comp. Uh, then we have tax. And the last one is called operating expenses or OPEX for short. Now, my handwriting is not the best in the world. It's kind of a doctor's, but this says income, profit, owner's comp tax, OPEX. Here's how it works. The income account is a depository only account. Those checks that came in the end of the month that you were talking about, Troy, mm -hmm. they go here. They go into the income account. The income account acts as a serving tray. Just like, you know, when I'm celebrating Thanksgiving here in the U.S., when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we take that golden turkey out of the oven, we have our family and friends over. I don't say, hey, everyone, grab a knife and fork. Everyone for themselves, fight for it. <laughs> of course not. That's why everyone looks at it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe your family. Our family, you know, and they'll take the stupid, like, oh my God, this is perfect for Instagram, like type of pictures. But we, we, don't, we don't serve off the serving tray. I actually carve the turkey. I cut it up and then we give each person a portion. And of course, that's how most dinners are served. There's a serving tray, and then everyone has their individual plate, so everyone gets a portion of the meal. That's the lesson here. The income account is the serving tray for our business. You never eat off of it. The, the fallacy of most businesses is we have a single checking account. All of our deposits go in there. We log in in the morning. We see we had some deposits yesterday, and we're like, business is great, and we blow the money. When there's no money in there, we panic. So the goal is to fix that. Next account below is profit. We already talked about that. We're going to put a percentage into profit. I just dropped my sheets. Let me pick them up. Mm -hmm. Then after profit uh, is the owner's comp account. We talked about that. That's to pay you. These are all percentages. Tax, we haven't talked about yet. Mm -hmm. Tax is the reserves to pay your tax liabilities. Listen, I've toured the world now. I've yet to visit a country where the government doesn't like to stick their hand into our business and take a piece of that out in taxes. Yeah. So we're going to put a percentage in here to pay up our tax liabilities. Mm -hmm. And the final counts OPEX. So just, and this is just an example. I'm not saying this is your percentages. But sure. Some healthy companies may be doing something like, uh, like this, where 10% um, for example, of their income is going to profit. 20% mm -hmm. is paying the owner. 10% mm -hmm. is going to taxes and 60% is operating expenses. And say this company, and I'm just doing this for round number's sake, mm -hmm. say it does $100,000 in, in uh, revenue annually, that's mm -hmm. saying there's a $10,000 profit bonus waiting at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. The owner's taking home $20,000. Uh, we reserve taxes, because you may have a $10,000 tax bill come when you make 30,000 combined. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, maybe it's not that severe, it depends on the income, and then there's $60,000 left to run the business. 
these are definitely not the percentages for a business that small. I'd actually do more aggressively for owner's comp. In the book, I give percentages. Yeah, yeah. As a business gets bigger, like a million dollar business, this may become a pretty reasonable uh, outline of, of how the money flows. Yeah. So there's a couple of things uh, I just want to th- um, throw past you. And I've been, re- I've been waiting to have this opportunity to, uh, yeah. to talk to you about this. So one of the things, <clears throat> see, I'm the guy that will spend uh, whatever needs to be spent to grow the business, to, yes. to, to, to kind of build the kind of business that I want to build that I know will serve our customers, but will also serve the team and will serve myself and my business partner. So I've been studying your stuff a lot and I, 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 it totally resonates with me. There's one little twist I've put on it, which is I've developed a, a kind of a mindset thing, which is uh, profit first and sales last. Mm. So what I've been thinking, and I just want to, I just, I don't know my blind spot. So I just want to slide this past you to see if you catch anything that I'm missing here. So what I've been doing is I've been saying, all right, what's it going to cost? I've been kind of working backwards. What's it going to cost us to build this business to where we want it to be? How much tax we're going to have to put aside roughly? Um, which kind of work out last because you, you kind of have to work out your sales. Um, how much do we want to get paid as, as owners of the business? How much profit do we want to make? Let's work the numbers out on that. And then let's actually set some sales targets to make sure we sell enough stuff to make sure we cover all of the expenses we need to grow the business to get it to where we want it to be and then work all the percentages out backwards. So I just want to make sure I'm not going to slip up here and I'm not kind of getting too cute, you know? You're not getting too cute. You know, that's actually the, the exact process uh, that we use. We've coached our organization, our members have coached over 75,000 businesses that, that oh. we know are, that are running profit first. So wow. we have some experience with this. That's impressive, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We, we are blown away and happy. The, wow. On the flip side, we're barely scratching the surface. There's 180 million small businesses. So, you know, we're just, but whatever. Wow. That's a challenge we have to overcome. But what we found is that, um, that is actually one of the most effective approaches is to reverse, we call it reverse engineering revenue. Yeah. Um, sales last, but reverse engineering revenue. Sa- sales, I just don't want to discount the importance of sales. Sales are critical. That's the oxygen for business. No sales, no money coming in. There's mm. no profit to extract. Mm. But the right starting point is what kind of profit do I want to achieve? What kind of income do I want? What do I want to make as an owner of the business? What, yeah. What's that number where I see comfort? And I also realize once you achieve those numbers or approach them, maybe they change, maybe you pick new numbers, but it's a starting point. We start those numbers and we reverse engineer it and we see, oh my gosh, I need $300,000 of sales and I'm there. Mm. Then we have to figure out how do we make those sales happen? Mm. So it is a good approach. I like what you're doing. Mm. Awesome. Hey, I do want to take some questions. I've got about 12 minutes left here before I need to bounce out into another call. I do want to take some questions from our our audience. If you are watching this on Facebook, leave a, in our Facebook group, leave a comment next to the video and I will endeavor to read that out and ask Mike, if you are on zoom here and you want to ask a question, you want to have a chat with Mike, pop your hand up in the control panel and we will endeavor to unmute you and get you uh, on the line here. Uh, Leslie Sorrell asks, uh, exactly as you said, Troy, I'm confused as to whether I should work toward paying myself first or subtract profit first. Is my pay my profit? Right now, I'm, I'm not doing either. I take an allowance out of my business when needed for personal family expenses. Yeah. yeah, she's a which sole is classic. Yeah, which is a trap, that's what I did. Way. It's what I did for the first three or four years. I was a freelancer. And guess what? It's what I did too. I did yeah. that for a lifetime uh, <laughs> until I realized, oh my god, I'm, I'm often stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, this is the sequence. So money comes in. The first thing you take is profit. Now I'm saying maybe you don't set ten percent. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put it one percent. 
then owner's pay is next, then tax, and then OPEX. It always goes in sequence. So yeah. we have to figure out our profit percentage. As we talked about right at the beginning of this, this program, start slow. I suggest most businesses that have never had a profit distribution, start at 1%. Because yeah. if, if you take in $100, uh, you can run your business off 100 You can run your business off 99 You won't miss $1. It's inconsequential. But the yeah. mind shift, that's very consequential. 100% will, because then yeah. all of a sudden, you're running a profitable business. Right, right. Right, which most businesses aren't. So it's a game changer. Then we take your owner's pay, what, what you're going to live your life off of, and, over, and our tax reserve. And over time, we bump those up while pushing down the operating expenses. Mm-hmm. And uh, one point about pushing down operating expenses, most businesses that I've worked with can easily slash 10, even sometimes 15 or 20% of their operating expenses. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you're cutting muscle instead of fat of your business, and that's too risky. You can't keep mm-hmm. on cutting all expenses just the unnecessary ones. Yeah. Then we want to look at margin. How do we dictate a bigger premium for what we're doing? How do we force profitability or bring about more profitability from the products and services we're selling? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you where else, I'll tell you why else profit first is really important, your whole methodology here. Where I've been bitten before and, and, and still I'm getting bitten is, uh, is we run the business, we pay ourselves an allowance to live off throughout the year, we make good profit at the end of the year, so my business partner and I get this great payday at the end of the year, which comes with an enormous tax bill right. that we haven't been factoring in. Right. So it's classic. I go home and say to my wife, woohoo, we had a great year. I'm you know, getting this great bonus. And by the way, most of it's going to the tax office. And I then have to prepay tax for the following year because yep. in Australia, the tax office has said, huh, you weren't more than we thought you were and your tax bill's higher, which means next year it's probably going to be higher. So now we actually want you to pay that in advance. So I'm constantly on this treadmill actually paying tax that, you know, that we hadn't factored in. So actually slotting aside a percentage of profit, a reasonable salary to, to live off and slotting aside tax means that you're not going to get burnt so much at the end of the year, which is, this is, this is the, the actual tax obligation is the number one reason that we're actually implementing profit first in our business so that the, the, the company can start to put aside tax rather than us yeah. actually being personally. And the funny thing is like, at the end of the day, it's all the same money. We're just putting it into buckets or, or, or envelopes. envelopes. It's the same money, but our behavior shift is, is extraordinary. When that money came to us first and then went to the government, we're like, oh, the government sucks and like, this is killing me. When our business reserved that same money first and put in a bucket aside, now we're, like, when the, we pay the government, some people, I get emails literally from all over the world of people at the end of the quarter or a year saying, I can't believe I just wrote this massive checkout and I'm thrilled to the government. It's just a mind shift when the business reserves the money for its intended purpose before we use it. A hundred percent. Something I want to touch on here from Maggie. Some of us are shoving dollars into our web businesses before we actually make real sales, right? Including their membership to our program. Any perspective to recommend on that? It's just, I mean, it it just takes some dollars to get a business up and running, right? And and I think if I can just just kind of um, add here, I think what you were saying before is that the profit is the reward for the business owner taking all of that risk to get the business up and running. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's the reward. Now, when you start a business, um, some businesses require money. Like, like, you know, if I'm going to uh, clean offices, I need cleaning equipment and cleaning supplies. If I'm going to run a web business, I need a website. Mm. But whoever said, there's a saying out out there that says it takes money to make money. Mm. Whoever said that is a total jerk. I, I decline. Why, who, why does it need to take money to make money? There's some fundamental things we need, but innovation is what brings about money. 
Maybe, you know, for my cleaning business, maybe I can borrow cleaning supplies. Maybe I could discount my services to my first client saying, if you provide the cleaning supplies, it makes it more convenient for us because we don't have to lug it around. We'll give you a discount. And now the vendor's winning and I don't need to buy the supplies. There's less startup. And I know that's just, just a cleaning business, but that works for any business. Yeah, yeah. You can negotiate and do things without money. Money allows us to do the easy things. It's like water. If, if I had a billion dollars, anyone could run a business. Yeah, that's that's easy. Just keep throwing money at it. So if we constrain and have zero money, it forces extraordinary smarts. My challenge is, is simply to everyone. Every time you feel it needs money to get a result, challenge that belief. Look mm -hmm. for a new belief. In some circumstances, money will make it a million times easier and it's the way to go. But mm -hmm. other times, there's a real solution. Mm -hmm. And I, I have example after example of businesses have done this. You just got to challenge that notion. That's a mindset that takes money to make money. One little fast last caveat is if you do need, feel you need to put money into your business in the beginning, that is not income. If you put money in the business, put it in your OPEX account. That's solely to get the business started. Mm -hmm. And as Troy said, as your business becomes profitable, you'll get the money back. Yeah. And uh, we look at our balance sheet at the end of uh, well, quarterly and at the end of every financial year with our, our uh, accountant. And we have owner um, loan accounts, basically, where my business partner and I have either worked for no pay or mm. invested a little bit of capital to get the business up and running uh, and, you know, back in the day. And so the business owes us as business owners, owes us a certain amount of money uh, because that's the, the, the effort that we've put into the business. So, so Maggie, I hope that answers that question. Um, Jamie Ross, also on Facebook, he said, uh, on Facebook, he said, yep, the tax treadmill is the killer. Um, yeah. Just one thing on, on tax structures. Our, so our business is set up as a trust, right? So our business doesn't actually pay tax. My business partner and I, uh, we pay tax on the profit that comes through to us at the end of the financial year. Yes. But regardless of who, which entity pays the tax, the company should be putting aside that money throughout the year. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's, people get hung up on the structures. Mm. They say, well, I have a specialized corporation, like a trust or here in the States, an S corp where I have to pay taxes and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter where the taxes initially come from. The business can reimburse you. So if you pay the taxes yourself, yep. then talk with your accountant to, to do it, to minimize any consequences. But if you pay the taxes out of your personal income, the mm. business can still reserve it and then pay you right back. So you don't yeah. feel that pain. And in many cases, the business can just write the check right to the government and you never even see the money yeah. in the first place. Exactly, which would be my preference. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because what I realized recently is that I'm taking all this money out of the, and so is my business partner. We're taking all this working capital out of the, out of the business every month and then essentially putting that money aside in a digital envelope to pay tax at the end of the yeah. year. And I said to my yeah. business partner, there's all this working capital sitting in my account and your account assigned to the government we should be leaving that working capital in the business and the company should just be paying that tax on our behalf. I don't want to see that money because it's not mine. Right. And that's the problem, right? So that money has to pay tax. If it stays yeah. in the business for you, it has to pay tax. So it needs to be allocated for that. But if we get our grubby hands on it, and I say Correct. we, I'm really, oh, that's I how I feel. 100%. I get money on it. I'm like, oh, that's 100%. my money. And my mind starts going, oh, I can do, I can, and I start yeah, yeah. spending it in my head. Yeah, and yeah. that's when it becomes painful when that money goes right out the door again. So we yeah. don't want to even want to look at it. Yeah. Hey, if you're watching on Zoom and you do want to ask a question, pop your hand up. Uh, they're a shy lot this morning. Uh, pop your hand. Okay. I, think, I think they're all a little bit starstruck, Mike. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> you are really. Really? Yeah. I'm serious. I'm, dude, I'm serious. Uh, if you do want to speak with Mike, pop your hand up. We've got about four or five minutes left. Um, and, and just uh, while we're getting there, Mike, I do just want you to touch on 
Um, one of the conversations that we have a lot, and this is a mindset thing. And again, a lot of this is because most of our members end up in business by accident. They've got some creative skill. They start building websites for friends. All of a sudden people start offering to pay them. One of the things that I'm always talking about is that you actually owe it to yourself and your customers to run a profitable business. Yes. Profit profit is not a dirty word, right? Amen. Amen. I mean, Think about it. Could you imagine going to your customer and saying, listen, we're on the brink of shutting down. We're surviving check by check. We'd love to do business with you. What's that customer going to do? They're like, uh, hold on, I'm about to give you money and you may disappear. You know, but we, we feel that we need to be struggling. Um, now, of course, you go to a customer and say, you know, I'm going to take 20% of this money. It's going right into my pocket. That's, that's the arrogance too. What we want, the customer cares about is stability. And so we tell our customer, listen, when we work with you, our goal is for sustained profitability because it brings stability. Our goal is to be here for you now and well into the future for as long as you could ever need us, decades into the future. Do you want to work with a business like this or do you want to work with a competitor down the street that's dying right now mm-hmm. so much that if they don't get your business, they're folding? Do you want to work with them? That's the reality. So customers do want us to be profitable. They don't. They don't want us to rip them off, right? That's different. They don't want us to steal money from them, but they do want our sustainability. And that's what profit does. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Jeffrey Patch has a question. What account would those owner reimbursements come from? Operating expenses? Oh, so yeah, great question. Owner's comp, owner's comp. So um, when money goes into owner's compensation, that is used to support your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. There's opportunities maybe to get a car where you can offset the taxes or some benefit for the company for paying for your car. That is really an owner's benefit. The, you know, are you really using it for work? Or are you using it just to drive around and stuff? Then it still comes out of owner's comp. So that addresses all of your benefits. Uh, Jami has a question. Hey, Mike, in my case, I have very low expenses, but low sales too. Usually I end up with a smaller percentage than the 30% in operating expenses you recommend. Would it be a better idea to focus on making more sales or to work on delegating? So increase expenses to be able to handle the sales when they come in. Yeah. So if you're below the target expenses, first of all, that may be a good thing. Those are just rough targets. Every business needs to kind of find the right percentages for themselves. So the question is, how happy and comfortable are you? If you're making the income you want and you're thrilled, let the right size business find you. You don't have to grow. Like that's the other thing I get kind of um, agitated over is when people say, you know, you got to grow, you got to grow. Why? Why don't we have the right size business where we're comfortable and happy? Like that's, isn't that the goal? Mm. So I first asked you that question. If you really desire more growth, then I would still actually look at, um, putting more into profit, reducing operating expenses and challenging my mindset to figure out how to grow without putting more expenses in. Mm. Growing expenses in my estimation and belief is usually a last resort thing. It's necessary at times, but the first thought always needs to go to innovation, breaking the industry rules. Yeah, how to optimize. I talk a lot about optimizing your processes internally so that you can deliver value to customers and and run a profitable business at the same time. And that is innovation. It's about rethinking things. Awesome. Hey, this has been uh, this has been epic. Uh, as I said, they are a little bit starstruck. I'm looking in the chat here. They are a little bit starstruck and they're a bit uh, shy to put their hand up. But they have been asking questions here in the chat. Um, for those, and, people- I, and I did see the chat, you all. So I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> Uh, you have you have some fans here. Uh, for those who want to go further, you do have some uh, profit first 
um, authorized professionals, right? How does that, how does that work? How does someone say, you know what, I want to get my head around this. I need to find a bookkeeper or an accountant who can yes. help me with this. Cause I've spoken to some bookkeepers and accountants about this and they don't know what I'm talking about. And they think I'm a lunatic. Yeah. So we found very quickly on that people, once they read the book, they still, many people said, I need a trainer. Kind of like, you know how to do the exercises at the gym, but it's good to have someone that knows the right exercises for you and will hold you accountable. Mm. That's what profit first professionals are. They are accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches who are certified in the profit first method. We have locations in Australia. We have a Sydney location. We have locations in Europe uh, and throughout the U.S., so if you're in Australia, because I know we have some Australian viewers, go to profitfirstprofessionals.com.au. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're in the US, you can go to profitfirstprofessionals.com. And you go to those sites, click on find one or find a profit first professional, and we'll make an introduction to someone that can help you drive profit in your business. By the way, many of them are also niche specialists, meaning they know your industry, mm-hmm. so they can give you very specific profit first tips to your business, your industry. Awesome. Awesome. Mike Michalowicz, thank you very much for your time uh, this morning or this afternoon where you are. Thank you for the work that you're doing with Profit First. Oh, it's uh, my joy. For everything you do, we really appreciate it. And you have had a profound impact on our community and the sort of the conversations and the mindset that we're in right now. So thanks again. Thank you. That means a lot. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Uh, thank you, gang. Um, uh, I thanks, look forward y'all. to seeing you again uh, on another call very shortly. Until uh, then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast as much as I did, and I hope you made a bunch of notes, and I hope you're in the process now of setting up your separate bank accounts and allocating your profit first. It will be an absolute game changer for you. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to do us a favor, write us a review, an honest review, and give us a rating over at iTunes. You can find it at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. For those of you that don't use Apple, you can find us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash stitcher. You can also tune in to our Facebook live shows at wpelevation.com slash Facebook, where Simon and I goof around every week and hopefully teach you something in the process of entertaining you. And of course, we're on YouTube at, you guessed it, wpelevation.com slash YouTube. I look forward to speaking with you again on the podcast and seeing you on all the social platforms, and I wish you all the best in your business success. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.